Today for our look at the headlines, I'm joined by Barry Wood, RTHK's International Economics Correspondent. Good morning and welcome home, Barry. What time is it in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> it is, in fact, Stephen, quarter past eight in the evening, so we're behind you. Oh, well, I hope you've got a, a nice big mug of coffee to keep alert for the show. And I'm delighted. I'll do my best, Stephen. <laughs> yes, yeah, good. I know you're always full of energy whenever I've spoken to you, so I can't see that changing. And I'm delighted. Joining me again is Stuart Oldcraft, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant. Good morning, Stuart. And good morning to you, Stephen. And good morning, Barry. Well, good evening, Barry. It's probably not a glass of coffee, but a glass of wine, isn't it? <laughs> You've got it <laughs> after the broadcast. Yes, sir. I was well, trying to keep you. that secret. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart dropped you in it. <laughs> anyway, good to see you, Stuart, in our Admiralty it, Studio. Yeah, I haven't been in here for a while. It's all been tarted up very nicely, very yeah. expensively, probably. Well, there you go. Looks and good. a great improvement, I might say, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did see it before, but I, I'm sure it's very nice now. Anyway, I want to start this morning by looking at Bitcoin and crypto and all the hullabaloo being caused by the SEC lawsuit against Binance. And yesterday it seemed it announced its lawsuit against Coinbase, the US biggest crypto exchange. Seems to be one crisis after another hitting the crypto market. Do you feel this is the final nail in the coffin for the crypto market? Or do you think it's resilient enough to bounce back? I believe it's still the best performing asset so far of 2023. I want to start with Stuart, because I did have to cut you off last week when we were about to talk about crypto, because the news was coming up. So, yeah, Stuart? Yes, as, as many of um, the listeners know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big cynic as far as crypto is concerned and I'm not very positive about it generally. Uh, I think what we're seeing right now is that the SEC has at long last got its act together. It's taken a very long time to um, try and work out what it could do about regulating the whole crypto industry. And uh, this, this is a, a scene that's going to happen in other countries as well because regulators have been very slow at getting uh, their head around what to do with crypto and exchanges. So the SEC have found a, a, a means which is to go for the exchanges, Binance and, uh, uh, and, and, that's, uh, and Coinbase, and that will uh, very directly affect the industry. It is already um, having the impact of people worrying about where next. Is it the final nail? Absolutely not. Um, I think there's quite a long way to go here because I'm sure that both Bitcoin, well, um, uh, Binance and um, Coinbase will be um, well equipped with lawyers who will uh, fight every tooth and nail to, to defend themselves. But um, bear in mind that crypto is still regarded as uh, something of a fringe investment, even though it gets an in an inordinately large amount of uh, public relations coverage, media coverage, uh, disproportionate to probably its worth relative to the rest of the financial world. Why do you think that is, Stuart? Why does it get so much attention? Well, because it's um, 
revolutionary because it's different, um, because stocks and shares have been boring recently, uh, performance out of stock markets. Well, the U.S. has done pretty well, but Asian markets have not done so well. Uh, Europe is, 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 is quite flat. And, and the volatility that uh, can be had from buying into or out, getting out of crypto um, is something that quite a lot of people like. And absolutely clear, a lot of people have made a lot of money, especially those that were early into the game, but those that uh, are coming in now have a lot less chance of making the big money that was previously being made. Certainly looks that way. When you're explaining uh, cryptocurrencies there, it almost sounds like you could explain AI today in terms of the <laughs> new shiny thing. But no, anyway. I'll get a bot to do that. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I'm getting... Uh, ChatGBT is my yeah. new best friend. Yeah. Anyway, Barry, it, Stuart was mentioning there... It took the SEC some time to get its act together. Why do you think that was? And if it had got its act together and put out more regulations as cryptocurrencies were kind of in the early stages, do you think we'd be having a much more robust crypto industry right now? Well, I think it took a long time to get its act together because it was very complicated. And uh, as the SEC, which first of all had a a kind of regulatory fight with which United States government agency would be regulating this. And uh, Binance and Coinbase took pride in saying they were not regulated. And then, you know, when the when the authorities started going after them, they said, oh, no, give us regulation. This has a lot to do with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, which happened, what, December of last year. So, yeah, I don't think the Americans were too slow. I think it was just too complicated. It took a long time to figure this out. But now they've got it, and, and, or at least they've got a beginning. And when they say that the business model was based on non-compliance, well, they've got that right. And they've certainly got it right when they say that uh, there was a web of deception. But it's amazing to me. I, I fully agree with what Stuart said. I mean, this is very strange business, which was a new technology. Everyone agrees that uh, the, the whole ledger technology is perhaps revolutionary, but there has to be some regulation. The fact that 100 million people were using this Coinbase exchange is extraordinary to me. I'm with Charlie Munger from Berkshire Hathaway, who said, crypto is rat poison. <laughs> That's pretty extreme. <laughs> Won't be taking that then anytime yes. soon. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I heard yesterday that there's an organization or company called Prometheum, which operates a FINRA regulated broker dealer for crypto. So maybe a good model going forward. Have either of you guys heard of that? Uh, I've not come across that yet. But, uh, uh, you know, I think the issue is the SEC is very much a lead regulator around the world. And you will find that um, most other regulators in Europe, uh, Asia, will take a look and see what the SEC is doing and then act accordingly. Um, it's, you know, let me, let's just go back one stage, which uh, is probably worth remembering. When crypto first started and then when um, these exchanges first started, their appeal was because they were not regulated and, th and they were sort of a maverick in the world of investment. And, and now they're being reined in and uh, they should not be surprised, none of us should be surprised that that is what's happening. Yeah. 
right. I guess, things yeah. are more exciting. No, I haven't heard world. of that uh, either, Stephen, uh, yeah. that, that entity. But let's bear in mind that China banned crypto in 2017. And Mr. Uh, Zhangpao Zhao from Binance, you know, he did his... Um, university training in Montreal. He's a Canadian citizen, but look at his uh, activities since the whole fight with Sam Bankman-Fried. His company was based in the British Virgin Islands, then it went to the Cayman Islands, hmm. and now he's apparently living in Dubai. He's, of course, a billionaire, and there's no <laughs> allegation that he's done anything wrong, except he's skirted all these regulations and been involved in deep conflicts of interest, a hedge fund operating within an exchange. Uh, one, one final point I think worth mentioning. The, um, the SEC uh, chairman, Gary Gessler, has uh, said that uh, the world doesn't need any more digital currency. It's called the US dollar already. Um, and also the euro and the yen and, and most other currencies have now got some digital versions. So the idea of more digital currencies coming to the market is clearly very much something that he is against. And that's probably a, a major reason why he's trying to regulate against it. Well, that sounds a bit arrogant to me, but there you go. <laughs> anyway, talking about Mr. Zhao, I believe he lost $1.9 billion yesterday. So we're going to have a whip round for him later. So I don't know if you guys want to make a contribution. But anyway, another big news today. Sequoia Capital announced it is to split into three separate entities due to regulatory scrutiny and tensions between the US and China. Could this be the start of a trend with other companies following? Barry. Well, maybe. I mean, look, it's a hard time for Sequoia. Those guys are so rich. They're in Palo Alto in the Silicon Valley. So they've got one entity is going to be doing just China. Another entity will do India and South Asia. And I suppose the third entity will do the rest of the world. Sure, they're on their back foot now because there have been some layoffs in the valley. But they're just trying to get free of being able to deal with regulators individually and not just as one company but having three entities within it i don't make that much of it i think it's a survival strategy and let's not forget this is a very very successful venture capital firm uh, yeah and it's done very well in asia too um I, I like the way that they're going to try to name their chinese entity Hongshan, which is uh, the Chinese word for redwood. So, um, uh, and sequoia is, of course, as we know, a redwood tree. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, but, you know, the, I think this, this is a, probably a sensible move because they will only have to deal with the regulators in China, which do include Hong Kong, I think, for the purpose. Um, and because they uh, can see that China has an enormous um, well of capital that could come their way if they don't have to be constantly looking over their shoulder and finding out what the SEC is going to do to them. So yeah. <clears throat> I think this makes sense from their point of view. As to the other entities, they'll presumably keep their business in, in uh, Silicon Valley and then a third one will cover Southeast Asia and Indian markets and that could be anywhere really. 
Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a good move from their part, and it probably will lead to them raising much more capital out of China eventually. I wonder how many millions they pay to a marketing company to come up with Redwood and the Chinese name for that. Ah, but one thing I'm, I'm interested in, still on this subject, is so they're talking about splitting and they're using US and China tensions, different regulations, etc. But they're splitting into three and they're also splitting off Southeast Asia. What's the story behind that, Stuart? Well, Southeast Asia... Um, probably that includes Singapore, and Singapore has been a very strong market for the hedge and alternative funds industry. But their their logic may well be that they believe there could be opportunities for them across the region, um, including in India. India, as we know, is now growing very, very fast, but, but because of exchange control restrictions, it's quite difficult to get money out of India, but it's, it's relatively straightforward to invest money into India. But it would not be uh, such a good move to co-mingle Southeast Asia, India uh, with China, for example, and very clearly China will be what they will regard as their jewel in the crown. Okay, let's move on to another question. I think you're each going to have about a a minute each on this. In the survey we mentioned earlier, two out of three companies in Hong Kong are struggling to find talent. How do you think this could be limiting Hong Kong's post-pandemic recovery and what do you think should be done about it? Barry. Oh, I'm going to defer completely to Stuart on this one. That's your bailiwick, Stuart. You've got an answer, I don't. Thanks, Barry. Well, we do see that, of course, it it is the question of where are the people coming from. Um, We are already getting down to our low unemployment levels. Uh, We know just by looking at the airlines, for example, but also the banks, that um, there is uh, no unemployment in those areas. Both the airline companies and the banks are desperate to recruit people. Interestingly, they're recruiting the same type of people. Um, and, And the banks were very heavy at recruiting airline staff at the start of the pandemic. And now the banks are trying to stop those people leaving to go back to the airlines. So, you know, it's a uh, the, the shortage of people is there. What can we do about it? Not a lot, except continue to develop AI solutions to to some of these areas. But we do need people, and part of that will be the continuous education and training of school leavers uh, to be suitable for this purpose. Yeah, I know a AI, of course, could be one possible solution, maybe longer term. And I know also the government are doing a few incentives um, to bring people over. <clears throat> anyway, thank you both for joining me again. It's been a, a pleasure. And Barry, don't go away because you're back on soon.